What's good, everybody? This is Kai. And on today's episode of the podcast, we'll be focusing on my hip-hop life. So basically today what I'm about to be doing is connecting my life experiences to a song of my choice. So for today, I think we're going to end up going over a Meek Mill song. The Meek Mill song is called Young Black America. And basically what I'll be going over is being black in America not having guidance as a young black man and finding my ways out. So let's get into it. All right, so getting right back into it, I'm about to read the opening two bars. So it starts, the song starts like this. I was on that corner trying to get my coins up. Cobbers run up on us and we turn to Jackie Joyner. White man kill a black man. They never report us. Black man kill a white man. They gonna start a war up. So growing up in uh, Patterson, New Jersey, I had a lot of experiences in life where it was okay. So I had a lot of instances where I dealt with the realization of knowing like it's gonna be it's gonna be hard getting out of this situation. It's gonna be hard because of the violence in the city, because of the drugs in the city, and just the overall way the city operated. It was really corrupt. So. Um, Meek Mill talking about people being on the corner was a a reality for me because those same people, like, were my father, uncles, people on my block, and I would just always see them. And sometimes I would be even be out there not necessarily doing what they were doing out there, but just chilling out there because that was what I was used to. That's how I grew up. So, um... And when he says, cobbers run up on us and we turn to Jackie Joyner, in my city, which I think is, well, I think this is, happens in every major black city. Uh, when you start, and anybody sees the cops, they automatic, they automatically think to run. Like, people just, black people in general, or black or colored people in general, just don't like dealing with the cops. It's like, it's not something that we want to, deal with because of all of the instances in which black men were killed, black women were killed for really not doing anything. So um, when he says white men kill a black man, they never report us. Black men kill a white man, they're going to start a war up. That's just, he's just highlighting the double standard. And I see the double standard, double standard as well. But also, like in my community, Black on black violence is, you feel me? It is a thing too, and I know violence is gonna happen between any community. Is a lot of people together, and all majority of those people are black, so it's gonna happen regardless. But there are gangs in the community and all this other stuff. So, uh, moving on, he says, "Young N words brainwashed. They just want to rap and hoop." Could have been a lawyer until they came and shackled you. Felons on your record, so them jobs are getting back at you. So basically, <clears throat> McMill's highlighting how so many young black men today are brainwashed into just thinking the only way to get out is rapping or playing basketball or playing football. And I can admit, I fell victim to this way of thinking. Uh, and I still to this day think about rapping or making it to the NFL and I don't really have no other plan 
I just started to develop a little bit of a plan, but that still was my main focus growing up was either rapping or playing football. Uh, Could have been a lawyer until they came and shackled you. That just ties into before because some people, if it's not rapping or if it's not hooping, playing football, it's out there on the streets, it's out there selling drugs, out there getting gang violence and all that. So once that happens, obviously it's all legal, so it ties back in to getting involved with the law. And and that's not something I, somewhere I want to see myself is ever is in jail, even though it is very likely for young black men, but that's just not somewhere I, I see myself. Um, felons on your record, so your job so them jobs ain't getting back at you is another bar, was another line. And basically Everybody knows once you have that, once you have that, um, once you've been in and out of jail or been in jail once, it's really hard to obtain a job more than anybody else who hasn't been in jail. So, um, moving on. So, he says, them kids ain't eat yet, so you can't even sleep yet. That's the only thing we ever saw. We repeat that. They was playing ball, found him hard, said I'd be back. Broad day threw his life away as soon as he clapped. So, right there, Meek Mill is giving a scenario in which, well, first, in the first two bars of the scenario, he's giving a scenario in which is a mother or is a father, but most likely he's talking about a single mother because that's, that's, that's what has been so prominent in the black community is a single mother taking care of the son or the daughter or all the kids. So he said, those kids ain't eat yet, so you can't even sleep yet. That's the only thing we ever saw. We repeat that. In a black community, there is little to no guidance because of the way so many black leaders were killed off earlier, like in the 60s and the 70s. There's little to no guidance. So the cycle just keeps repeating and repeating and repeating. So... On to the next uh, line, it says, they was playing ball, found him hard, said I'd be back. Broad day threw his life away soon as he clapped. To me, this really, I really um connect with this, with this line right here because I had my own instance of where we were just playing basketball, me and my cousins, and then basketball can go left so quickly because I think it was over uh it was probably over a foul or something like that. But fouled the guy, told me threw the ball at him. He told me to throw it back harder. He threw it back to me. He thought I wasn't gonna throw it back harder. So I threw it back harder. He walks up to me, punched me in the face real quick and we started fighting. Just like that. Uh his friends are there, my cousins there, everybody started fighting, but we're outnumbered. That's not that's not our part of the city. We we don't live there. We don't do nothing there. So his friends, they talk about uh, going and grab the gun, whatever, whatever. So we we had to get up out of there. So I really, that line really struck a nerve for me. Uh, let's, let's see. I'm going to move on from me. Okay, so. Know them kids beefing, they let it get out of hand. OGs never told us nothing in advance. Young N-words killing young N-words. This is like the clan, I said. Told my young N-word, you the man, I said. 
You don't want to end up like my man Ahmed praying five times a day. Okay, so Meek right here is talking about how what I said earlier, there is little to no guidance in the black community. It could be guidance, positive guidance. It could be the gang guidance because not always were gangs meant to really turn into this violent entity in the community. They were uh, originally there to protect people. But um, I can, I can agree with uh, Meek on this one that the OGs never told us nothing in advance line is really, is really true because um, and my family, my family is really into the, uh, into the gangs and all that. So my uncle, he was the leader of, uh, of the Bloods in my city. Uh, he got locked up. He ended up getting locked up real early. Him and all the rest of the leaders all at once. So that left no guidance. The rest of that gang. So after that, Patterson started to become, it just started to get worse. It was already bad when my uncle was out, but it started to get worse. And it was like no respect. There was no gang morals. It was no, it was no anything. So, um, moving on. Oh, uh, he said praying five times a day. No, when he said you don't want to end up like my man out there praying five times a day, prostrating on his head, screaming inside law that he don't make it to the feds. So basically, a lot of a lot of black people resort to the uh, religion of of Islam. Um. So he's just saying, Meek is just saying that. He's telling these young, the young kids that are listening to the song that basically you don't want to end up in jail. You don't want to end up like this. You don't want to end up praying for your life, praying for your freedom, because it's just not worth it. You could do, you could be outside doing something else. So next, he said, uh, always posting on the gram, but he ain't saying them, he ain't sending them pictures. Never answer what you call, but answer for them b words. Got you thinking twice, like, damn, I should have been a witness. Just minding my business, just telling my story. August, no glory, been going on before me. So, basically, right here, Meek is talking about how, um, he's talking about how, uh, hold up. the line where Meek Mill, um, said, no toys for Christmas, ain't get us no presents, only made us evil, made us hungry, made us desperate. Younger than the ninth grade, he got a Smith and Wesson. That line really spoke to me because sometimes I was that kid that didn't have no toys for Christmas. You feel me? I didn't get no presents. And that it didn't and it did make me feel some type of way. It made me want to be able to provide for myself, provide for my mother. It just made me want those things, so it made me hungry to be able to achieve something and be successful so I could provide that for my kids later on and give back to my mother when she was able to give me those presents for Christmas. Um, the part where he said, younger than the ninth grade, he got a Smith & Wesson. Uh, that is just a reality for me. Whenever I go back, whenever I'm in Patterson, I'll go back to Patterson. The real, reality of me, of me and my, like, 
Well, actually, the reality of my friends having guns always strapped the same is real. It's real. Somebody you be around is going to have a gun on them. It's just what you need living over there for protection. And I'm glad I moved out. I'm glad I got moved out of the, out of the situation. Even though that's my home, that's where I come from, I do miss it, but it was for the best. Um, Next line after that says, grew up with the goons, now he need protection. He jumped out of school and he got arrested. Uh, uh, in my life, me and my cousins, we were always with the head, like the head people, whoever ran something in our in our uh, in our hood, in our neighborhood, because all, it was all of our family. All of our family were the top people in our hood, so we were just always around it. And because we were always around that, people associated with associated that with us. So needing protection was pretty necessary. It was a pretty real thing. Um, and the, he dropped out of school, then he got arrested. Bar. Uh, right now in my life, I mean, I don't want to tell his business too much, but my cousin right now, he's not doing so good. He's still living in Patterson. He recently just like stopped. Messing around with school, dropping like basically dropped me out of school, and I hope it don't get to that point where he do get arrested. But you feel me? That's his life decisions. I can only control mine for real, for real. But wish him the best. So moving on, it says, "Uh, Lord, what a blessing! I just hope he learned his learned his lesson. They told us if we go to jail, we will be respected. They told us if we make the sale, we will run a check in. Threw a rock out in that field, he got intercepted." He stumbled, he fumbled. Young Edward just rumbled. They told you to hustle. Them Edwards don't love you. So basically, this whole line, basically what this whole line is saying, what, this whole, what Meek Mill is saying, he is saying that he just lucky. Like speaking to the first, speaking to the one before that where he said that he got arrested, Lord, what a blessing. You rather get a you rather don't be arrested or dead, but you rather be arrested than be dead, basically. So he just saying, Lord, what a blessing. But he saying he just hoped he learned hope the kid learned his lesson. But in the in the hood, people are going to tell you if you go to jail, you're gonna be respected. It's like it's like a trophy. They're gonna tell you, they're gonna act as if it's a trophy, and it's really not. It's not a good place to be. It's not like it's just not cool. Like they try to make it seem cool, but it's not cool at all. Uh, and they said he said they told us if we make a sale, we would run the check in. In the hood, probably selling drugs is probably the easiest money somebody think they could get, especially if they've been to jail already at a young age, can't get a job because they probably have a felony or something at a young age. Well, you, they probably don't have a felony at a young age actually, but. Just being in the, just having that on your record, it's just, it's just not going to look right. So people might not hire you. So the next best thing is to sell drugs and make money that way. Um, The next one says, throw a rock out in that field. He got intercepted. And this is just a play on words, basically talking about football. So talking about football and 
um, and like rock as in crack, whatever. But he just saying that. But when he says throw a rock out in that field, he got intercepted. He's really saying that because somebody or the kid decided to then sell crack or get into that lifestyle. Him, it was taken away from him being on that football field. Saying like his dreams got intercepted away from him, they got taken away from him. And this really spoke to me because I didn't want them to, I didn't want that to be me. Even though I did stop playing football because I just didn't care for it no more. And I was in Patterson a lot at that time, even though I was now living in Hillside. It just I just didn't want to be that person that let my dreams get taken away from me and my athletic abilities go to waste. So um, next, to close out the song, there's somebody singing in the background that says, young black Americans want to live like the fair skin, fall to the prayer den, occupied on that Maryland. The prophecies of a wild N-word, no church, my uncle said stop, B-worded, N-word, no skirts. It's kind of crazy. There's another world on the other side of town. So, right there, that really exposed me because I promise you, I promise you, a lot of people, a lot of black people like to be black. They have pride in being black. They love the culture, all this, all that. I don't think they would change their skin color. I don't think anybody would want to change their skin color, but I think they want to live like the opposite skin color just to see how it feels. And I think the opposite skin color needs to live like us just to see how it feels so we can both understand each other and where each other is coming from. But um, the part where it says, it talks about his, his uncle saying, stop B-wording, no skirts. That's just a reality. I don't, but, um, but I agree with that though. Like the no skirts part, all that, you cannot be soft. Like, get, being soft is not going to get you anywhere. And that's what my family has taught us time and time again. That's why me and my cousins was never... We'll be, we'll the, one, we'll be the ones making somebody cry, not be, the, not be the ones getting made fun of or somebody making us cry. Like, that, it just don't work like that. And especially our family having that name in the city that just wasn't going to look right on our part. Like, that just wasn't something you did. Uh, you had to act tough. You had to be tough. That's just being a man, being a black man in that uh, environment. You feel me? But um, but to close out the rest of the song, it's saying young black America, young black America. And it says it about 10, 12 times to finish the song. And basically, that's it. And... I just want to go over how um, this song really spoke to me because it was just like everything in the song I could relate to. I had experience for everything in the song, from the men being on the corner, from me being on the corner with everybody, from seeing people get nice sentences like my like my uncle where it said in the bar it said um. Yeah, that boy life sentence made his mama relapse. Like, I really saw somebody get locked up. I witnessed it. It was my uncle. 
I even saw my father get locked up right in front of me. He got taken right in front of me, pulled him out the car. I was with him. Luckily, he was still in front of my house. The OGs never told us nothing. Once my, my uncle and all the rest of the OGs got locked up, nobody was left. Everybody just ran around, did their own thing, made everything worse. Uh, talking about how um, caught up in the system, visit from his sister, talking about how everybody, how they ain't even with them. People are fake. Not everybody has your back in the hood. That's just a reality you have to face, and I already know that. That's why me and my cousins try to stick miracles together, even though it's been beef between me and, the, like, me, my cousins, all of us, each other. It's been beef just simply because where we live, we didn't all grow up in the same hood. Some of us did. Some of us grew up on the whole opposite side of Patterson. It's just, it's sad that, even though your family got a beef just because of where you live, but that's the reality. And um, I also connected with the No Toys for Christmas. That was a real thing for me. Like I really, that really struck a nerve for me and all that. And uh, Smith and Wesson having a gun, ninth grade, eighth grade, seventh grade. I know people. Like even um. My closest friends, my closest friends, everybody, I know everybody. They really was out here strapped at a young age for like just because of where we live. Um but I had realized and my mother had realized my mother mother had realized that I had to get up out of that situation, especially knowing the type of stain that my family had around the city. She realized I had to get up out of here, so we moved to Hillside. And that was basically what started my way out, even though I'll still be over there because that's my family. I, I love everybody over there. Even though it's not safe over there, I feel safe because that's where I came from. I know it's not safe, but I feel safe. That's where I came from. So basically, I'm about to start using my uh, athletic ability and football over here to try to find my way out. And I'm also uh, getting into the business side of things, trying to elevate myself as a person and try to uh, repay back my mother for everything she's done for me. But um, uh, this is the end of the episode. I just want to leave everybody with a question. Because I don't, it's not necessarily that I have one. I'm going to think of something right now. So, Matter of fact, I want to leave everybody with a message. I just want to let everybody know that you can overcome anything. Like, even if you feel like the whole world is working against you, it doesn't matter. You can overcome it. You just need a strong support system. And and at sometimes it might not even be there. You might have to be your own strong support system. But just know that everything is going to be okay. Everything going to work out because... There are miracles that happen, and then you just got to do the right thing. You just got to do the right thing. You have to know what's right from what's wrong. Even if you are obligated to do it, at least know what's right and what's wrong. And that's really all you can ask for. But I just wanted to let everybody know, just you could keep persevering. It doesn't matter like what happens in life. Just keep going. That's all you got to do is keep going. Uh... 
Thank you for listening today. Uh, peace. I'm out.